Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions Steve Dash, Rinko Levers. Hey everybody, welcome back. You got Breakwell, you got Olivas. It's the show with B and O. It is wrong and wronger. And James, I've got a weird campfire looking vibe set up with the lighting here today because I didn't have time to properly prepare. You caught me completely off guard by saying, are we recording at exactly the same time we always record at? I've been <laughs> awake for eight minutes, Breakwell. That is impressive. It's not a good thing at the ranch. I would say that uh, your brain might not be firing in all cylinders yet, but I don't know that it ever fires in all <laughs> cylinders. I don't know that it has cylinders. So I'm excited to see what we get out of you today. Man, oh man. I said, give me five minutes. Like I had to brew coffee because I would have been scared and alone if I'd have come out here and tried to do this podcast without some kind of caffeinated beverage running through my veins. Well, that is that is what matters. Caffeine is the the lifeblood of everything. Actually, I don't think it does anything to me, man. I uh, I I chug diet soda like I'm made of it. And uh, recently, I switched to generic diet Mountain Dew because you and I both know I'm not paying name brand prices. And uh, <laughs> I can sit down and just I, I do that so that like when I'm playing board games or whatever, I don't just sit there and snack. Because if I sit there and snack, I will eat like a trillion calories in you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I, like literally, it's, it, it, it'll be an absurd number. So I sit there and I just chug this stuff. And I can finish off a couple two liters of diet Mountain Dew with oh, full geez. caffeine. And then I can go right to bed. I recently, I, I got a, I got caffeine pills because they're supposed to be like, there's, you know, all workout supplements are junk and there's only two yeah, ingredients yeah, yeah, yeah. in the world that do anything, creatine and caffeine. And I was like, I'm not caffeine. paying, I'm again, once again, I'm not paying for, you know, expensive name brand <laughs> prices with all these ingredients mixed together. So I bought creatine plain directly and I brought, ca bought caffeine pills directly. And again, I can pop a couple of those things. Each one is two thirds of a thing of, uh, of a two liter of Mountain Dew and, uh, and nothing. I just, I just, I'm so dead inside that caffeine does nothing to me. So I guess I'm a little jealous that with you and your single cup of coffee, you can like spring to life. Cause it just, it's not bringing me back. <laughs> So do you, if you, if you don't have the caffeine, do you notice that you don't, or it is a complete neither here nor there? It is a complete neither high nor here nor there. I've never had coffee. I didn't want to depend on it, but it turns out if I would have been drinking it, it, it wouldn't have made a difference. So yeah, I, I did, tired. I did no caffeine for years. Now I'm doing all the caffeine and I feel exactly the same. And on days where I don't have it, it's not like I'm shaky. I just, I, I, everything is the same. I'm. I am a caffeine non-responder, either that or I just, I just, I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't have any other explanation for it. There's so much wrong with me. And this is, this is just one thing on that list. Have you ever been, uh, have you ever had like a close call in traffic where uh, you get jacked up a little and you're like, <gasps> oh yeah, one yeah, of those? I, I am capable of feeling adrenaline. I'm not completely dead inside, just mostly dead inside to this one chemical. But oh yeah, my heart rate can definitely shoot up when I'm, uh, 
almost okay. dying in traffic or yelling at my kids for the millionth time to pick up their underwear, <laughs> which is exactly what I was doing before uh, I hopped on here with you, not yelling at the kids, but picking up their underwear because they are baffled, absolutely baffled by the clothes hamper. Like, it, it, you know, the name suggests <laughs> the dirty clothes hamper is made to hold dirty clothes, but yet there's so many other places dirty clothes could go, like the floor here or the floor there. So why would you put dirty clothes in the dirty clothes hamper when we've got 3,000 square feet of other places you could put your dirty clothes? Well, and the hamper does have operational instructions that if you're not familiar with them, it can be a, a long process to try to puzzle through. So I, I'm with them, James. Why not make life easy? You're all about efficiency, right? Yeah. Your I mean, kids picking up where you left off. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. Because even when they make it to the hamper, half the time, they put the things <laughs> on top the hamper rather than in the hamper. They can't take that final step to open the lid. Or, or better, if they do do that, then they do the thing where they put their underwear in with the legs of the pants turned inside out, still stuck on them. They can't pull the two things. It just... It's been a long morning, Steve. It's been such a long morning, and I really well, wish I had caffeine that. help me through it. <laughs> <sighs> well, I can't believe you're such a heavy hitter. Are you a heavy hitter with alcohol, too? Like, does it take you twice as much to get a buzz as people around you? I don't know about that. I think it, it hits me pretty hard. I, I, I just kind of sip hard alcohol. And uh, it, it'll put me to sleep. Like, I don't, I don't really get drunk. I, 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 I'm sorry, I don't get drunk. I don't get too crazy. Like, I become more outgoing, and then I fall asleep. Like, those are my two stages of drunk. I don't, uh, I don't get to the point where I'm swinging off chandeliers or dancing around with a, uh, you know, a lampshade on my head. I'm, uh, I'm a little boring in that regard. But I do get really into board games when I drink, so you have that to look forward to. <laughs> I, I don't know if I even own a board game. We used to have Crimes Against Humanity, but we left it behind somewhere when we went to a party a while ago. So I'm thinking you meant Cards Against Humanity. I hope you don't what did have I say? Crimes Against Humanity. Oh. <laughs> Wait, no. Hold the game, James. I, I don't know which version you play. Uh. Mine involves high-speed chases. A, a terrible Freudian slip by our resident psychologist there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how long it's been since I've played. You could have said either name, and it would have been 50-50 to me. If you would have said, is this called Cards or Crimes, I'd have had no idea. You, uh, that's a little risque for you, though. You are you were like 95 years old with your pants pulled up to your armpits and your 6 p.m. bedtime. You're going to tell me that you play Cards Against Humanity? I did a long time ago, and my wife was like, this is fun. We should have a game night. And then we bought them, and then we went to a game night, and then we left without them. I don't even remember whose house we left them behind at. It's like, well, that's uh, easy come, easy go. Yeah, board, <laughs> Those board things are like 25 bucks, too. Like, oh. that's an expensive hobby. Board yeah, games. it it is. I mean, I I get mine secondhand on Facebook Marketplace because I'm cheap, and I I had to stop. I finally got more board games than I have people to play them with or nights to play them, <laughs> and I had to I had to self limit the board games. Though, man, it's uh, it really is like the secret code to socialization. Because if you invite over friends like every Wednesday night to just hang out. 
you end up just complaining about work and then after an hour you have nothing to talk about you talk about work you talk about kids and that's it but you get a board game in there and suddenly you complain about work you complain about kids and then you spend uh three hours putting birds on a board or something and then and it's fun again it's just an excuse to hang out and drink and be mellow and forget that it's a wednesday night so that's uh it really has upgraded my entire life i cannot recommend board games highly enough now you got to find the right people to play it with if you uh if you find people who are lame, you know, for example, your friends who the uh, you left the cards at their house, I'm sure they played with you one time and they're like, yeah, we got to throw these down the garbage disposal list so yeah, people don't come this. back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do remember where we left them now, and uh, that was an unfortunate situation. So Ooh. anyway. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. In this podcast where we talk about nothing, you can't say unfortunate situation. No, no. This is someone else's unfortunate. I think... I remember whose house it was, and they went through a divorce real soon after that. And wow. so, uh, that must have been yeah. one bad board game night. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined a marriage and forever end bo- ended board game night. All in one fell swoop. Man, I'll I got- tell you what, man. I just learned yesterday that another one, a, a person I'm not friend friend with, but I'm, I'm friends with, we've gone out to lunch, like that he just got divorced. There, there's there's some kind of season happening, and I'm like, I uh, there were kids involved with the second one. I'm like, God dang, man, maybe it's just. Uh, and these are not 27 year olds that sort of outgrew each other. These are older, established people. Like uh, one, I think, in his mid 40s, and the other one was about 60. And it's like, gosh, I don't know how. Uh, maybe it's uh, it's just the. The political climate, which is you need to be happy. So if anything makes you unhappy, cut it loose. I don't know all the details, but I look at them and I just I feel sad when I think about it. Well, divorce is sad, but chances are if they're going through with it, uh, they're probably pretty happy to get out of that situation. There, there's some stand-up comedian with the routine about that. It's like, don't say you're sorry when somebody gets divorced. They're excited. They were miserable before. They're, they're moving on to be less miserable. <laughs> and it, it, it gets back to that thing about, I guess you just never really know what's going on in somebody else's marriage until one yeah. day you ask, how's the wife? And you say, I don't know. She lives in a different house with all my money. And then suddenly you're like, oh, I guess we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it was. Although I didn't talk directly to person number two. Someone else said, hey, between you and me, this is going on. I was like, oh, I know both of them. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, I don't know where that came from. Oh, the cards against humanity. Yeah, yeah you ruined so a marriage. You, you ended board game night. Man, it's uh, <laughs> I, I And we ne- lost 25 bucks. Man, I want to invite you over for board game night now just to see what would happen. Just to play with fire and see how bad could it really be. <laughs> Lola will be like at the front door eagerly waiting for me to get there. She's like, yes, they're here. They, um, and that's the last we see of her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we've had some bo- bad board game nights. I don't know how you could top that, but we'll we'll see. I mean, I'll, uh, I'm willing to give anything a shot once, especially if it ends up costing me thousands of dollars in child support. Because that's, that's the kind of gambling I need at, my, at this point in my life, to, you know, to feel that sense of excitement. Caffeine doesn't do it for me, but maybe risking my marriage and my family <laughs> will do it. That's, that's the kind of thrill I need. Oh, Man, we That got, was well done. You just tied everything together. We can move on. That's beautiful. Yes, we put a bow on it because there was actually something else we wanted to talk about. Back to the caffeine, yeah, because I messaged you 
at 5.30 this morning when I woke up, which is 4.30 uh, your time, and you would think that, you know, a no decent person would text somebody else at 4.30. But you got to understand, Steve wakes up at like 2 a.m. He has the most ridiculous hours. He's, <laughs> he's out in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by coyotes and rattlesnakes, and yet he goes to bed at 4 p.m. and wakes up at 2 a.m. And then, <laughs> that's just how he rolls. And then he has to, he wonders why he needs caffeine to keep his eyes open. But this time I messaged him at 4.30 his time, and he wasn't awake. He didn't message me back till like five minutes after I suggested we start to record, and then I was the <laughs> one running, running late. So what, what's going on? Are you can you suddenly not sleep, or are you sleeping too much? What is what is messed up with you? Oh, James, I tell you what, man, my sleep is weird now, and maybe it's because I I'm, my my next book starts tomorrow, and maybe that'll get me back online. But I also now nah, this has nothing to do with it. This has been going on for a while. And I realize you have an audience of like 24-year-old young mothers, but uh, if you have any older folks, I mean, frail, like my age in the audience, I hope they relate to this. But I've started this pattern where I'll fall asleep and then wake up like three hours later because I have to pee. And then my brain turns on and I can't slow my brain down. I've got too much going on, I think. And so I can't settle down. So I'll be up till like 3 or 3.30, and then I sort of pass out. And then on t- days, we record on Tuesdays because I don't go into the office Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'll sleep till like freaking 9 or 9.30. And it's like that's completely throwing off my day, my rhythm, my routine. And on days I do go in, I still get up. Like tomorrow is Wednesday. I don't know when we'll put this up. But on Wednesday, I start seeing patients at 6. So I have to get up at 3. So on days I go in, I'm usually up at 3 or 4 a.m., and that still goes okay. But uh, this back and forth, it's like I'm doing shift work, except I'm doing like a swing shift where I got third shift and then first shift and then second shift and then third shift. It's just really weird. So I'm not sleeping right, but I'm hoping very soon it will return to normal. Well, it is a... uh a quality of old age that sleep quality goes down. I think so. I think you're right. But I I don't know if it's always that bad. I don't know if everybody has that much anxiety bouncing around. I know my dad, he... um, He'd always say, yeah, I don't go to bed till like midnight. But the thing is, he would actually fall asleep at 8 o'clock. He'd just fall asleep in his chair. And he'd get a yeah. good three or four hours of sleep in and out in the <laughs> living room. And then he'd walk to the bedroom. So it was he'd sleep in stages. And there is something about – I really think it is easier to fall asleep in a living room than in a bedroom. Because if you go up to your bedroom, you, you go up there with a purpose. You brush your teeth. You go through your routine. You put on your pajamas. And by then, you're wide awake because you've completed all these steps. But if you just relax and lay down on like a Sunday afternoon watching football, you can be out half a second. I mean, there's no there's no preamble, there's no routine, there's no expectations, and the same thing happens if you if you sit down in the on a couch after dinner, you can just be out like that. Especially especially if you're a dad. My dad and my father-in-law can both <laughs> fall asleep like sitting up, like not even like reclined in a chair, but just like leaning forward slightly, mouth hanging agape, and that's uh, that's the direction they're heading. So they're, they're in the insta-sleep mode, and you're in the uh, wander around the house in the middle of the night mode. So I guess, I guess there's is. two different kinds of aging. Uh, it, mine is graceful, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's easier to fall asleep, to grab onto what you just said on a recliner or on the couch in front of the TV, because the TV gives your brain something to do. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, once your brain is mine anyway, is occupied, it can sort of push back everything else that I'm thinking about. And then when it's dark and quiet, it's like the switchboard lights up with, oh, hey, by the way, here's something you need to care about. And so, or here's a deadline coming or all of those things that swirl around like bumps in the night. So I'm hearing here that the problem is that you care about things. If you got rid of that facet of your life, you would solve nearly all of your problems. You just gotta, you gotta stop. Well, you gotta stop worrying, especially in your case, because I, I think maybe the maybe the issue is you still have hope. If you just if you just give up, you just give in to the disaster that is your life. You just accept that things aren't getting better, then you'll sleep like a baby. It's they say that uh, you can always tell when they when a suspect is arrested. You can tell if he's guilty or not by if he's pacing around his cell or if he's sleeping. Because if he's sleeping, he knows that he's caught and it's all over. But if he's pacing around, he still thinks he might get away. Maybe he didn't do it. So that's, that's what I think maybe is going on here a little bit. You're in denial. I had an interrogator on my other show, The Commute, once. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that... When that moment that you're just describing happens, the suspect will sort of bow their head. And he said it happens about 100% of the time when they finally just make their peace with, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm caught or I'm guilty or whatever. Like when they're about to break, they always bow their head first. And uh, maybe, that's, maybe that's what's happening, James. I just need to bow my head. But the strange thing is nothing that I'm worried about right now. I don't even know if worry is the right word. It's a, I just, so I've taken on two more, well, three more projects, which probably isn't good for me, but I'm doing another podcast, which I'm looking forward to. We haven't started yet, but we're in the creative phase. I'm, I'm writing for the newspaper in town here now, which is uh, not a huge deal, but it gives me another deadline that I have to worry, be uh, aware of at least. And then third, I got asked over the weekend because the, uh, the theater group that I did, the Headless Horseman, last year is doing War of the Worlds this coming year, and they want to do a series of radio spots for a few weeks ahead of time to start generating interest. So the the producer and director had dinner with us on Saturday, and he said, would you put together a series of interviews with a Martian? That uh, And I said, yeah, yes, yes. How do you want the Martian to be? What do you want to have to be said? Do you want the Martian to be funny? Do you want it to be angry? How do you want the... Like, and he said, just, uh, I'll leave it up to you. So I called a friend of mine who was one of Jim Henson's Muppeteers. He was, uh, he was in Muppets in Space, if you know that movie. And uh, he's one of the most vocally talented people I've ever met. So I said, do you want to develop a Martian character? He said, yes, I do. So we're <laughs> going to get together and kind of hammer out how we want to do this. And so like the creative part of my brain, you probably get this too once in a while. If you've got something that's sort of new and exciting, where the creative part of your brain just starts going crazy with ideas and just building out a concept. Maybe when your novel was going, you did that. But that's kind of where I'm at. I'm thinking about the paper and the new pod and now interviewing a martian and the the martian interview is gonna gonna be where what medium radio radio so our little our little town has a radio station and it's the only station you can get out here i think i've said this before other than country and jesus uh, they play like <laughs> classic rock which is outstanding but uh, there's one guy who owns and runs the radio station all day, like he lives there. Wow. And that's how small of a town we got. But uh, he's, he works with our, uh, the, the Arts Council out here for all of their events, including the ones I'm involved with, which is like uh, live theater stuff. 
But anyway, they'll run on his radio station. Man, there is a lot to unpack there. You're starting a new podcast. (laughs) We don't even make the two that we have right now, and you have one on top of that. You were in a theatrical production last year that you never mentioned to anyone, and now you're going to do it again. And then you're writing for a newspaper, the most dying of dying industries. There's 19 branches we could go in here, and five and a a half (laughs) minutes left for me to make fun of you for things. So I'm just going to pick one random direction, and we're just going to have to leave the other ones unexplored. It's like a a choose-your-own-adventure book you can only go through (laughs) once, and you got to burn all the pages. So, all right, I'm going to bite on the newspaper angle. What what is a a newspaper paying for a freelance article in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, in the year of our Lord, 2023? Glad you asked. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Zero. That is is lower than even what I used to be paid. Man. Slightly. Yes. Uh, We call it a lateral move, but yeah. <laughs> what do you? Well, I guess the good news is it pays as much as all of your podcasts. So you have on down. Well, and the theater pays nothing, and the podcast, and uh, the uh, the interview with the Martian pays nothing. Like uh, it's all a big zero, James. And yet I'm shouldering the burden of everything. I I think I understand why you can't sleep at night. I have found the problem in your business model. I'm not going to tell you what it is on air, but if you pay me a consulting fee of $200 an hour, I might point out the flaw in your cash flow. First of all, as business consultants go, you're way undercutting yourself. Man, that's how many hours a week are you working unpaid on, on these things? Uh, I do two commutes a week. Those are probably two hours each. We do these two shows. That's an hour out of my day to record them, to get them ready, and then to upload them. The uh, newspaper article is about an hour. Uh, I think that's all the unpaid work I do that's consistent. Mm. Like uh, the interview with the Martian uh, will probably be an afternoon. I'll go over to the guy's house, or he'll come up to my studio but uh, yeah, and well, that's not even including all the time I'm trying to set up interviews for the commute and trying to get rock stars on board. And uh, you can consider that most of the books I've written have gotten me zero because I've <laughs> written them and then the rock star just sort of absorbs it into their rock area black hole that they've got and I never <laughs> see them or it again. So that's probably 150 hours each that go down the tubes. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot involved that I don't get paid for, James. I'm one of the greatest humanitarians who's ever lived. You can write a book in 150 hours? It takes me 40 days to write an 80,000-word book. That is impressive. That is that is a high production rate. Um, George R. R. Uh, Martin writes... Th- he writes, he I, writes I, I write two hours in the morning. Two hours in the morning, and that's how many words? 2,000 words? Yeah. That's two so a thousand words an hour, just just like clockwork, just like a machine, huh? That's uh that's entirely impressive. That's um if I could match that, I might uh I might actually be making a living at writing, but I, I cannot do that. No, go don't get me wrong, I'm James, fast. Man, go ahead. I'll tell you what, I know we got a minute and a half, two minutes left, but I inter- on my show I had on a very successful self-published author, mm-hmm. which uh, there's like two of them. One's in Europe and one's here in America. But uh, she writes, she's a sci-fi writer. She writes, and this almost made me like just hang up the phone and yell. She writes eight to 10,000 words a day. Wow. 
and that's all she does. Like that's her career. Like that's her sole income. And uh, man, she just cranks out the sci-fi. She has she does her own audio for the audio version of these books, and they're all on YouTube. And I think she gives them away the audio version for free on YouTube to drive traffic to purchase her. I don't know. She sells them for four bucks or something. But God dang, that is so prolific. It's almost unhuman. It is. And it also kind of terrifies me that if you have to produce that much to keep the income stream going, I don't I don't know how that could possibly be sustainable. If she's got that many words in her, good on her. What's what's her name? I'll I'll text it to you. I'll have to look it up. I can't remember off the top of my head. You you interview so many people you can't even keep track of them. I didn't know you were doing two episodes of the of the commute a week. You are uh you are out of control. And I guess the one saving <laughs> grace is uh you know on your theater production thing, I suppose you probably didn't have any lines at the headless horseman. They gave you the guy without a head just to shut you up. So maybe No, maybe... I had to be there every night. I was the narrator. I was in every scene. Oh, I thought you were the headless horseman. What a... No. <laughs> Did you did you get no, a read off script as the narrator or did you have to yes. memorize your line? Okay, that helps a little. Yes. Man, you are so busy for so so little to show for it. Holy cow. <laughs> I got a, a, a foamy wall behind me that doesn't even have sheetrock on it because Man. I have uh, no time to do things that are actually productive in my life. All right. But you know, the reason I started doing all this, and I'll end on this one, is to try to get more connected in the community so that when I need something done, I know someone who knows someone who can do it. Like, it's hard to be an outsider in a small town, man. I know you live in the bustling metropolis of Breakwellville. Breakwellville. Yeah, but but like, uh, uh, out here, man, I can't get anyone to do anything, and so I need friends. And this was all part of my plan to get some friends. I mean, I, 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 I'm in the same situation, actually, because I'm in the bustling metropolis, but I'm on the edge of it in a suburb. And it's not a real suburb like it was created because people were moving out of Indianapolis. It's a small town that was just absorbed by Indianapolis or finally touched by it. So there's yeah. a core of people here who've been here since, you know, like the dawn of time. And like <laughs> you just you were always an outsider. I've been here since 2008 and I'm still an outsider. And you run into so and <laughs> And so and you're like, well, I've got kids in school now. My kids have only ever lived in this house. Maybe now we're on the inside. But then you realize <laughs> you run into the other parents and the other parents all went to high school together. And now their kids are going to school together. And their parents also went to school together. And they've got rivalries going back to the 60s that I can't even begin to understand. And let me tell you something. The drama on the Facebook chatter groups for the town is just incredible. There are so many layers of anger just built on top of each other going back generations and i will leave it on that note but man i i love it oh speaking of bitterness and resentment we have to let you go again so that you can get over watching this episode i know it takes a minute but until we meet again until breakwell texts me and wakes me up while we're supposed to be recording this is steve williams dr steve for james johnny on the spot breakwell saying thanks for watching thanks for listening Grab a cup of coffee and get on with your day because two wrongs can make a right.